I want us to remind ourselves again and again who we are, where we came from, and what we're here together for. So, gospel roots. There will be messages in this series on our history, about what we believe, about our worship, about our purpose, about our involvement in missions, about our congregational polity, about why we pray so much, why I preach the way I do, and lots more of that sort of thing. Kind of a who we are and why we are and where we came from kind of series. My hope is that this series, not every sermon in 2017 will be in this series, but many of them will. My hope is that this series will be good, not just for old timers like myself, I've been a pastor here now for 19 Christmases, but also really good for the newcomers to our church family. And we have a lot of new people here. They're not all necessarily here on on New Year's Day. But we have a lot of new people in our church family over the last last few years. And I'm really glad about that. I I want all of our newcomers, I want all of us to be on the same page. For us all to know what our gospel roots are and how they affect everything that we are and do. And here's the biggest root. At the very center, at the very bottom of all of the roots, it's the person and work of Jesus Christ Himself. We are fundamentally faith followers of the Lord Jesus Christ who died for us. Our message title for today is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Which comes, those words come from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2. We're going to make that our hide the word verse to start off our year. Let's read this together. Read it with me. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Do you think you could memorize that? Let's have that memorized by the end of the month. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Those are the words of the Apostle Paul. He was writing to the church of God at Corinth and he's reminding them how single-minded he had been when he had first visited them. I want to read to you this morning the whole section that that comes from. 1 Corinthians 1.18-2.5 to But then we're just going to focus for our message on verses 1 and 2 and And really, just verse 2 this morning, our hide the word verse, our verse to get us going in this series and in this year. Follow along with me while I read and listen. Listen for radical, how radical the Christ-centeredness was of Paul. 1 Corinthians 1.18 For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know Him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand miraculous signs, and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. 
For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before Him. It is because of Him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts boast in the Lord. Here's our verses. When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. Would you pray with me? Lord, I pray that my message and my preaching would not come with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that our faith might not rest on Matt's wisdom, but on your power. Would you do that, Lord, as we preach and as we pray and as we study your word together this morning. We pray it now for all of 2017. And we pray it in the name of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Amen. Well, it's time for New Year's resolutions, right? Do you do those? How many do them? Nod your head yes if you do. Bunch of you. Nod your head no if you don't. Or shake your head no if you don't. Okay, a little bit of both here today. Some people do, some people don't. I'm one of those guys who definitely used the turning of the new year to make some changes myself. These days I try to make the changes things that are smaller and doable. More like mid-course corrections than U-turns or big hairy deals, big hairy goals. In the past, I learned, in the past I tried to make bigger changes and sometimes succeeded but often failed. How about you? Do you have some New Year's resolutions? For many people, it's to lose weight, right? Especially following the Christmas holidays for all the cookies and fudge stuff. I said on Facebook this week that I've chosen a monster diet for 2017. The cookie monster diet for 2017. Many people sign up to get more exercise, right, Kurt? This is your big month at Planet Fitness, right? And the question is, do they show up three weeks into January, right? It's one thing to be there to buy it. Some do and and some don't. For some people, the New Year's resolution is to save more money or to spend less money or to make more money. I always try to work on our family budget in January and that's definitely my time for making those financial goals. Some people make career resolutions this time of year. What they want to do at work. What sales goal they want to hit or what rung on the career ladder they want to climb towards. And some people make resolutions for education at this time of the year. What classes they're going to take, what degree or certification they're going to work towards, or what books they're going to read. I got six books for Christmas this year, six new books, and I can't wait to read them. I want to read them all at once, 
But I'm going to have to make some room in my schedule if I'm going to do that. That's a goal for me. Well, the Apostle Paul also made a resolution when he came to minister to the Corinthians. It wasn't a New Year's resolution, but it was a resolution he certainly did plan to and did keep. And when he wrote his first letter back to the Corinthians, he reminded them of it. He said, don't you forget what my resolution was and how I did it, because it was an example for them to follow in their own lives. And it was a resolution to know nothing. That's what he says. Uh, He has a resolution to know nothing except for one thing. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. 1 Corinthians 2.2 For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Now, I don't think he means know nothing in an absolute sense. It wasn't like, my mind is blank. All I'm going to think about is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. It's not like when they came up to Him and, and asked Him um, a question, He would like, how's the weather, Paul? Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Do you think the Steelers will, will do good this year? Jesus Christ and Him crucified. What kind of a year will 2017 be? Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I'm not thinking about anything else. I don't think that's what He's saying. He's talking about His preaching. He's talking about His teaching. He's talking about the focus of His ministry. And He's saying that that focus of His ministry was the person and work of Jesus Christ. He's not saying He never talked about anything else. He was talking about the center of His ministry and the center of His life. About how everything revolves around Jesus Christ. The author D.A. Carson says it this way, this does not mean that Paul was devoted to blissful ignorance of anything and everything other than the cross. No. What he means is that all he does and teaches is tied to the cross. He cannot long talk about Christian joy or Christian ethics or Christian fellowship or the Christian doctrine of God or anything else without finally tying it to the cross. Paul is gospel-centered. He is cross-centered. He is Christ-centered. That's what Paul is talking about when he says that he resolved to know nothing else among them. And this wasn't a new resolution for him either. It wasn't like this was something new that Paul was going to try out in Corinth and see how it did because he hadn't done it elsewhere. This was, this was Paul, right? I mean, read Ephesians, read Philippians, read Galatians, read Colossians. This is what Paul's all about. He's just reminding them that this is, this is what he was absolutely committed to. That's what he means by resolved. But it, was, it means a personal, central commitment. This was the center of his message the center of his lifestyle. It was the root at the bottom of everything that he was and did. If you didn't get this about Paul, then you didn't get Paul. This was the main thing. And what have we learned? The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. That's what Paul is saying. And it was the opposite of what the world was saying. Of what they all expected. Look back at verse 1. When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. See, that's how everybody else rolled. That's how everybody else did it. They came with eloquence and worldly sophistication. They came as professors and pundits. They came as skilled speakers and philosophers. They came on their own power and persuasive abilities. They said things that made sense to people. That's important. 
He doesn't just mean that they used philosophy like a professor at Penn State. We might all dismiss that. Oh, philosophy, whatever that is. Though uh, Abe Skakel, uh, the new fellow that kind of sits back there in the back there, he's getting his, his degree in philosophy from Penn State right now, so he might be interested in that. But, uh, but we might say, well, pff, whatever, philosophy. What Paul is saying is that the rest of the world says things that make sense to the rest of the world. They are the guys on TV that are masterfully giving their opinion and people are nodding their heads and saying, yeah, that makes some sense to me. That sounds wise, I think. That's the way to do things. That's the way to get things done. That's a position of strength. Paul says, I didn't come like that. I didn't come from a position of worldly strength and worldly wisdom when I came to share the good news about God. He actually says he came with fear and trembling. He was kind of like, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to take this. I'm not coming in my own strength. I'm not using my, all of my abilities. I'm not bringing what the world wants. I'm kind of scared here. I'm just going to talk about Jesus. And I'm going to talk about how Jesus was killed. You know, the world thinks that that's crazy. Cray-cray, as the kids say these days. Paul says that the world thinks that the gospel is, his word for it is, foolishness. It's foolish to focus on the message of the cross. That's just ridiculous. A God who dies? A Savior who gets executed? You know, we, we, we put crosses up here. We wear crosses and earrings and necklaces. You know, that's, an, that's like walking around with an electric chair on your, around your neck. That, that's like putting a, like a mushroom cloud from... Hiroshima or Nagasaki on your, on your earring. That's what a cross is. You're preaching about a cross. You're glorying in a cross. You know what that is? That's an execution. What are you doing? That's what the world thinks. And if, it's, if it isn't true, then they're right that we focus so much on this cross. But if it is true, then it's wiser than man's wisdom and it's stronger than man's strength. I believe that the world should think that you and I are at least a little bit crazy. We want the world to admire us and think well of us as Christians, but actually Paul says that we'll actually be despised and laughed at for what we center our lives around. If people aren't looking at you a little bit like, hmm, then maybe we're doing something wrong. The world may respect us for our love and service if we're loving servants, But if they're paying attention to our motivations and what we talk about and what we sing about, the blood this and the blood that on Sunday mornings, ooh, they'll probably think that we're at least a little bit crazy. Because if we are fools, we are to be fools for Christ. If we're to be seen as crazy, let us be crazy for Jesus Christ. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. So here are two resolutions for us to make today. Not just as New Year's resolutions, but as everyday commitments. And not just as individuals, but as a church family. Together, going back again and again to our gospel roots. Number one, resolve to know Jesus Christ. Resolve to know Jesus Christ. Friends, Jesus Christ is the most compelling person in all of human history. 
He is the most compelling person in the whole universe. Resolve to know Him more and better this year. Last month, I got to read this book on the doctrine of Christ. I was sick, so I got to read 467 pages. I just kind of sat in my chair, popped ibuprofen, and turned pages of this book. It's called God the Son Incarnate, The Doctrine of Christ. 467 glorious pages of knowing better who Jesus Christ is. And that doctrine of Christ is going to be the focus of our District Stay Sharp conference next month with Greg Strand. What the Bible teaches about the identity of Jesus Christ. Resolve to know nothing except Jesus Christ. That is to say how everything relates to Jesus Christ. That He would be at the very center of our lives. That's what all of our songs are about this morning, weren't they? What the choir sang, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Who's Emmanuel? That's Jesus, God with us. Run, shepherds, run and see the baby. Hark, the herald angels sing glory to Christ, the newborn King. He's our lighthouse. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. Jesus paid it all. Jesus did. Everything we do should relate to our resolution to know Jesus Christ. How are you going to do it? How are you going to know Jesus Christ better in 2017? Now let me give you a hint. It's going to take your Bible. It's going to take some prayer. I was talking yesterday with a Christian friend who feels like he stumbled in his faith. He stopped reading his Bible. He stopped praying. He stopped coming to church. Actually, he hasn't stopped. But he's just slowed down and he's given up. He's fallen off. But he's getting back up again now to know Jesus Christ. He's made this resolution. Do you know how to grow in your knowledge of Jesus Christ? Our Sunday school classes are great for that. Even though we're studying the Old Testament, every session of the Gospel Project connects what we're learning directly to Jesus Christ. Do you notice that? Those that are going through it, there's a Christ connection in every lesson. Heather and I just read a great book that shows you how to do that for yourself at home too. It's called Hungry, Learning to Feed Your Soul with Christ. What do you need to plan now to do to know Jesus Christ better and deeper and more fully? To center your life on Him. To make knowing Him the main thing. If somebody were to say, what's the main thing in your life? What would the evidence say? What, what, would, what would you be able to point to to say, the main thing in my life is Jesus Christ? Friends, He's so worth knowing. Everything we learned last month about the root and the shoot of Jesse, that's Jesus. Unlimited spiritual power, faultless justice, perfect peace. That's our gospel root. That's Jesus. Get to know Him. Our church exists to bring people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. To know nothing except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Number two, resolve to know Jesus Christ crucified. Because if you don't know Him through His crucifixion, you don't really know Him. See, if you, if, if you don't know that Paul built his life around Jesus, you don't know Paul. If you don't know that Jesus sacrificed Himself, you don't know Jesus. Because it's not just who Jesus is, but what Jesus did that is so amazing and so important. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. 
Do I say that sentence every week in a sermon? I'll bet you I do, and I hope I never stop. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. The world thinks that's crazy. Paul says back in chapter 1, we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. The world says, everybody else says, what in the world is that? But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. You don't understand Jesus unless you understand His crucifixion. He changed everything. He was solving everything. He was saving us. He was reconciling us to God. He was taking our place. He was paying our debt. What do we sing? Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Oh, praise the One who paid my debt and raised this life up from the dead. See, we don't believe that Jesus was just a great teacher. That's what the world wants to do to Him. right? They want to put Jesus in the great teacher category. Oh yes, you can learn a lot from Jesus. Just don't worship Him. Just don't put all your faith and trust in Him. He's just a man. We don't believe that Jesus was just a great prophet or a spokesman for God. He wasn't just some manifestation sent here to us. We don't even just believe that Jesus was simply God in the flesh. We believe that Jesus was God incarnate to die in the flesh in our place. And we believe that there's nothing else more worthy of knowing. Resolve to know Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Crucified for you and for me. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe. We believe. And that's why we worship at this table. We worship at this table to remember, to resolve to know Jesus Christ and Him crucified. We do not pretty up Jesus. We don't make Jesus presentable. Kind of clean Him up for the masses. We present Him as bloody and suffering and dying on the cross to save us from our sins. We resolve to know nothing but Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And we we always have These two things right here, I don't know if you can see them from where you sit, are the first communion set for Lance Evangelical Free Church. Our historians have dated these back to the founding of the church in 1892 or soon thereafter. I imagine in my mind's eye the first ten families with the last names Swanson, Gustafson, Danielson, Nelson, Alquist, Olson, Johnson, meeting in the home of A.J. Palmquist. And taking bread off of this plate and saying, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And passing around this cup and everybody taking a sip and everybody saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And everybody in that first Lance Free Church meeting resolving that this church would always stay Christ-centered, cross-centered, gospel-centered that they and those of us to follow them would resolve to know nothing while we're together except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. 